You're listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville and Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. So as Pastor Mark said, we are continuing in the book of Galatians. And just to recap, we're talking about deep. We're going deep. We're going deeper. And deep is meaning the acronym is discipleship, evangelism, engagement, and prayer. Now, chapters one and two of Galatians were covered by the, by the dynamic duo of Pastor Mark and Leanne. Glory to God. We thank God for them. Pastor Mark spoke on breaking off a people-pleasing personality and also avoiding works-based efforts to please God. He spoke from the title, What Have You Done For Me Lately? Leanne spoke on chapter two, talking about being crucified with Christ and breaking free from selfishness. And she went on to provide a list of 15 subtle signs of pride. Is anybody else in here went into that list like, oh, that's not going to be me. That's I'm nowhere near that list. I mean, I'm, I'm good. But when she got done with that list, he was like, oh, well, it's me. It's me. It's, it's me. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm standing in need of prayer. It's me. It's, it's, it's me. But, you know, I'm, but I'm not saying it was me. I, I was just asking for a friend. I'm just, you know, just wasn't me. <laughs> and she spoke from the title of. Killing me softly, killing me softly. Glory to God. And today I'm going to be speaking from uh, chapter three. And what's important about I want to give you just like a, a, a brief over, uh, overview, 50,000 foot view of uh, what chapter three is talking about. Glory to God. And Paul here, he wants to he wants to draw a line of demarcation. He wants people to understand that that you cannot gain salvation by what you do. By, there's no amount of work that you could put in that will be able to produce the salvation that has freely been given. And he goes on, he's going, he, and the reason why he's doing this is because some people called the Judaizers came in while he was gone and he, and, and they were saying, look, this is what you have to do. You have to Follow the Mosaic law. You have to be circumcised. And with that, then the gospel, you add the gospel to that, and now you can be saved. The heretical teaching was brought in into the church, and Paul is saying, no, we, we cannot, we don't operate that way. Glory to God. So let's keep on rolling here. Galatians chapter 3 and verse, uh, we're going to start with, Verse verses one through one through nine. And we are justified. I want you all to know that we are justified by what has already been done, not by what we do. We're justified by what has already been done, not by what we do now. Verse one says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your very eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified when Paul addresses the Galatians as foolish he's not he, he, what he's saying is he's not he's not saying that they lack intelligence but he's saying they're lacking 
in the application of wisdom to this situation. So you're not stupid. You're not, you're not dumb. You're, you're lacking the wisdom that you su- you're supposed to be applying to this situation. Paul goes right in on the Galatians and he, and, and he says, who has bewitched you? Who has, ca- who has casted a spell? What, what demonic force has entered into the church to cause you to think this way? What is happening right now? And he says, before your very eyes. Now, the IVP Bible, back, Bible background commentary uh, says this, that Paul employed a diatribe style teaching, which was a vivid teaching style characterized by imaginary interviewing, rhetorical questions, and intense reasoning. He's asking questions because the people had a wrong view. They had, they, they, their thinking was off. Their thinking was wrong. So what happens when you ask a question, you cause people to think. When, when they're doing something wrong, when, they, when they're thinking in an errant way, if you, instead of just talking to them, ask questions of them so you can get the answers that they need, the conclusion that they need to come to. Asking questions causes us to gain the answers that we're truly, truly looking for. He says in, in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 2, he says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works or of the law or by hearing with faith? He says, are you so foolish, having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? You started off the right way. You started off in proper thinking. You started off in receiving the gospel. You started off in, in hearing and understanding that you can be, you are saved by faith through the finished work of Jesus. But he's saying now, now you want to add your two cents to the situation. Anybody, anybody know somebody? And you don't, don't point to the next person. Don't, don't look at it. Don't look around. Anybody know somebody? As soon, when somebody, somebody always has something to say. Nobody asked you a question. Nobody said anything to you, but you have to add your two cents to it. That's what happens when we try to add our works to what Christ has already been done. He's just looking like, what, what, is, what are you doing? What is this? It's, it's already, I mean, the, 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 the basket is already full. The debt has already been paid. The account has already been paid off. The debt is done. What are you doing? You cannot add to what is already overflowing. So he uses an interview style technique to get the people to think about what they're thinking about, to come to their own conclusions. It's kind of like when you ask kids, if you have multiple kids and you, you ask kids a question, questions like, who left the lights on? Who made that mess in the kitchen? Why is there a dent in my car? So a lot of times you're going to get usually going to get the same answer. It wasn't me. It wasn't it definitely wasn't me. So we got to we got to boil it down. We got to we got to find out what really happened. What really went on? It wasn't me, not me. So as we continue on. As we continue on, I want to um, I think I missed my <laughs> My first, uh, my first point was, no, I didn't miss my first point. I got my first point. Okay. All right. 
Let's continue on here. So true salvation. It, uh, Lewis Sperry said this. Lewis Sperry said this. True salvation is wholly a work of God. It's said to be both a finished work and a gift. Therefore, it lays no obligation upon the saved one to complete it himself or to make after payments of service for it. So you can't make a prepayment, you can't make a payment, and you can't make a postpayment by what you're doing now. You can't make a payment right now by what you're doing. You can't, you can't, you can't, it's all paid for. Let's boil it down to that. It's all, it's all paid for. The law, the law pointed to a person. The law pointed to a person. In verse 19 of Galatians chapter 3, it says, why then the law? It was added because of transgressions. And until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. Verse 23 says, now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. And by now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Think of it like when you first started driving, right? You first started driving, your parents were teaching you, and they were looking at everything that you were doing. They were watching you like a hawk. I mean, they were just making sure you stepped on a brake. You just, you just don't, don't mash on the gas. Just ease into it. Just, you know, just, just, you know. And everything that you did, they were watching you. They were, they were your tutor. They were your guardian. They were making sure you didn't crash. You didn't run in, into the ditch and all that kind of stuff. They were there to help you. But as you grew and you matured and you, you, you I mean, you just, you started getting some experience under your belt. You started doing the thing. You started getting better. You didn't, you didn't need your parents with you anymore, right? Right? Glory to God. Glory to God. So I want to let you know that it, that it, um, no, let me go back here. Let me go back here. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not the result of works. It is the gift of God. He's freely given it to you. But what do some of us do? We slap that gift out of his hand and say, no, I'll take care of it. We push that gift to the side and say, no, I'll work for it. He's saying, here, here it is. But we say, no, here I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. It's not a result of works. Why? So that we can't boast. We can't say, I've done more than you. I pray more than you. I read, my, I read the scriptures more than you. I, I give more offering than you. I, my, my tithe is bigger than yours. God wants to eliminate all of that. He wants a level playing field and say, no, no, you're down here. I'm up here. This is the way it goes. This is the way it is. I've done it all. It's not about your work. It's about how you walk in him. He's cut the road out for you. He's laid the plan out for you. All you have to do is walk in it. 
We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So what does that say? Since, since God, we are his workmanship, we were created by him, for him, to do, with, to do things for him. Do we understand this? We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. The works is, have already been laid out. The work, is, the work is there for you, for you to walk in, not create. The road has already been paved. The little lines are already there. The construction is, there's no more construction equipment on the road because Jesus, he's already done it. What are you doing out there with your shovel? What are you going to do with that? Let's walk in the, walk in the good works that have already been created for us. It says God created it beforehand, before you were even thought of. These works were already created that we should walk in them. All you have to do is walk. Here's, an, here's, a, here's something to think about. Selah, our oldest daughter, was created from Tamara and I, and I call her, we, she is our workmanship, right? We're raising her up in the reverence, in the, in the admonition of the Lord, and to live by the standard of the scriptures. She doesn't have to work to earn our love or earn the benefit of living in our house that comes with being, just being our daughter. If I'm washing the dishes and I have a, a sink full of water, not cold, but not scalding hot like my wife, she just likes the dishes, just the, the water just steaming. I'm like, man, it's just so, I can't even, can't put my hands in there because the hot is too, I can't do it. <laughs> but I've added the soap while the water was running and I got it to the right level and the, the temperature was right and, and I soaked up the dish rag and, and Selah just comes along and she says, Daddy, can I do the dishes for you? I'm like, man. That's, this is this is great. This is working out. This is exactly what what I need to need. This is what I'm. Yeah, this is what you're here for. Good. All right. <laughs> but that good work has already been prepared for her. Follow me now. That good work was already prepared for her. All she had to do was step up and say, what can I do for you? And she can walk in that work. Why? She's not working to live there. She's not working to be our daughter. She's working out of a spirit of thankfulness. Because she loves us and she, she, she cares about us and she wants to help. She wants, to, she wants our household to run properly. So she's offering herself. She's offering her service to help the household. She's offering herself to help her parents. So where are we? When God provides that good work, are we, are we saying, you know what? I'm going to create my own work. Or, I'm just, or am I going to walk in the work that's already been prepared and I'm doing this out of a spirit of thankfulness? God, thank you for saving me. God, thank you for raising me. God, thank you that I'm no longer lost, but now I'm found. Let me walk in your good work. She's not trying to earn her place in the house, but she does the dishes out of a thankful heart. 
the short arm of the law, the short arm of the law. Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of law, in the book of the law, and do them. We're familiar with the Ten Commandments, but how many know that there are 613 in the book of Moses, in, in the Mosaic law? The first five books of the, the first five books, also known as the Torah, there are 613 commandments that were supposed to be strictly adhered to in order to be acceptable. So if we have 10 commandments, if we know about 10 commandments, and it's tough to follow those 10, how were we able to follow 613? Thank God for faith. Thank God for what Jesus did. Glory to God. Glory to God. Verse 11 says, now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law for the righteous, the ones, the, 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 the ones that are in right standing with God shall live by faith. The law was there to point us to Jesus. The law was there to, as, as a guardian, as a tutor, to, to help guide us and, and show us our sin, show us our shortcoming. The, the children of Israel provided a great example of how we would have fallen short as well. It's easy to point fingers. It's easy to play armchair quarterback. But how many of those Ten Commandments do we follow every single day? The law pointed to a person. And it takes two. It takes two. Not just you. Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 says this. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. We first need to understand that we are all sons, adopted, heirs, recipients of an eternal inheritance through our faith in Jesus. John 1.12 says this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood. So you can't claim because of my ancestry, I'm saved nor of the will of the flesh. It's because of what I did or what I'm doing or, or what I can do is because I'm saved. No, not that either. Nor of the will of man. Nobody, nobody can lay their hands on you and declare that you're saved. Nobody can, you know, with the, when the England, when the, with the knight, you know, the, the swords, you know what I'm talking about. You know how they knight people with the swords? Nobody can put the sword on you say, and declare that you're saved. It is only through the atoning work of Jesus, but of God. It's only of God. It's through God. It's because of God that we are saved. Verse 27 says this. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. How many remember 1 Samuel 17 when, da when David is coming against Goliath? And he's in the camp and he's talking to King Saul and they're having a conversation about all that's going on with, with, with Goliath. And, you know, Goliath is taunting the armies of God. and He's talking crazy and he's talking bad about God. And, and the armies are like, oh, man, look, you know, look at him and look at us. And, you know, I don't know. We can't we ain't going to be able to do it. I mean, just I know we don't have anybody. Can anybody in the back? Can, can somebody come, you know, with this guy? But here comes David. Here comes David. And David said in verse 37, the Lord who delivered me, listen, listen up, Paul, listen up, Saul. 
the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said this, and Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. I want to let y'all know today that that Saul said something that that was already in place. Saul made a declaration that was already coming to pass, that was already being utilized. Saul said this, go and the Lord be with you. David just told you when I was in the wilderness against the bear and the lion and the tiger and all kind of animals in the wilderness, the Lord allowed me to slay these animals. The Lord was the one that caused me to survive in the wilderness. So the Lord was already with me. And verse 38 says, then Saul clothed David, clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor and he tried to go in vain. He couldn't do it. He couldn't move like he used to move. He couldn't, he couldn't juke like he used to juke. Because he didn't have all that stuff on him. All he had was the spirit of God resting upon him. And he was able to move in victory. So listen to me today. The world will try to put things on you that you will never be able to fit. They will try to put things over your mind that you're not supposed to be thinking. They will try to make you dress the way you're not supposed to be dressing. And do the things you never were meant to do. And even if you try it, you'll go in vain. Because you've put on Christ. He's not only in you, but he's on you. Understand that. He's not just in you. You are a reflection of your king. You're supposed to be a mirror image of our Lord. We walk in the power of God. The power of this world, whatever the world tries to put on, you can't even compare to what you already have. No matter what they try to clothe you in, it would never fit. No matter what they try to put on your mind or in your mind, you, there has to be a rejection of it because he, God wants to give you the mind of Christ. Verse 28 says this, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Your ethnicity comes secondary to your identity in Christ. We can never exalt where we're from or the way we look or, or our, our shade of skin. We can never exalt that above our identity in Christ. We are identified by the salvation of Jesus. We are identified by Christ. That is our primary identification. Everything else comes, out, comes after that. There is neither slave nor free. Your economic standing is irrelevant and holds no advantage in the economy of God's family. Your bank account does not determine how worthy God is. Your bank account does not determine how favored you are. Praise God if, if God is, has, has blessed you with wealth. That's wonderful. But that can never be a means to lord over someone else. There is no male and no female. 
your sex, either male or female, though relevant and distinctive, does not give an advantage in Christ. I'm a man, so look, I'm a man. Great. I'm a woman, you know, hear me roar. That's, that's what y'all say, right? Hear me roar, yeah, yeah. Yeah, great, that, that's good. But in Christ, is a level playing field. You are all one in Christ Jesus. In the economy of the kingdom, we are all seen as one. Verse 29 says this, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. But Paul says this, Paul says, if. Don't miss that, if, which is for all the, the English majors and the English teachers, that's what, a, a conditional clause, right? And it's, it's a supposition that you are what is being described. Are you what is being described? I didn't ask if you're working to be that what is being described, but are you at this present moment what is being described? If you are Christ, if you belong to, not if you're working for, but if you belong to Christ, the salvation that will come through the promise made to Abraham that through his lineage will come through, come, would come the Messiah, would bring salvation to all who believe. So if we belong to him, if we're in him, if he's on us, if he's in us, if he's on us, the promise is already yours. Stop pushing and pulling and striving and, and if I could just do this, if I could, if I could just make this amount of money, if I, could, if I could just get this kind of job, if I could just get this status in life. No, just walk in what's already been provided. If you have abundance, that's wonderful. If you have just enough, that's wonderful too. Because if we have Christ, we have it all. We have it all. It's, it's, all, it's all the same. It's all the same. Glory to God. So it takes, it takes two, more than just you, but less than what you can bring. It takes two, more than just you, to walk out this life, to, do, to walk in the good works that God has provided for you to walk in, but less than what you can bring. Okay. I want you all just let that sink in for a second. Amen. Amen. So I close with this. I close with this. John 15, 5 says this. I am the vine and you are the branches. We have to get the order right because sometimes we think that we're the vine. Sometimes we think that we provide for our own selves and we, got, we sustain our own selves. So let's get the order right first of all. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Sometimes, sometimes we can think that what we have came from what we've done. But all we have has been provided. What we have has not come from what we've done, but all we have has come from what has already been provided. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow. There's no, there's no variation. There's no, there's no shadow. There's no variation of turning. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the gift that he's provided, it doesn't change. Glory to God. Glory to God. He says, whoever abides in me and I in him, 
He, that's him, who bears much fruit. For apart from me, the vine, you, the branches, can't do anything. Do we, do we really understand? Do we, do we, do we grasp that, that concept? That without him, we can't do anything. We can't even walk in the good works that he's made for us. Do you see the dependence level? Do we see the, the, the intimacy that is needed so that we can hear what he's saying? Glory to God. Glory to God. The branch does not add to the vine. It's the vine that allows the branches to even exist and bear fruit. Glory to God. Glory to God. Muhammad Ali wrote a, well, he didn't write it, but it was, it was written of him, an autobiography called The Greatest. It's called The Greatest. My own story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in that autobiography, it's said that he was, Muhammad Ali was deathly afraid of flying. I mean, he couldn't stand getting on a plane. He, I mean, he just, you know, he was, he was amazing in the ring. But when it came to a plane, he just, you know, he was just cowering. And his manager said to him, you can't keep avoiding flying. You can't, you can't ride a bus to Europe where you need to go in order to uh, compete in the Olympics. He needed to go to Rome to fight in the Olympics if he wanted to be heavyweight champion of the world. So he said, you know what? Fine, I'll go. I'll, I'll get on a plane. And as he started Going as he started flying on a plane on a regular basis, he liked it so much that he said, "You know what? I'm going to buy a plane as well, and I'm going I'm to buy a helicopter too, right?" So he he was all into it. He even got to the point where he was riding with he was riding in the cockpit with the pilots. That's how much he started enjoying flying. Well, his uh, exuberant personality got the best of him because one day he was on a plane and the stewardess said. Mr. Ali, I need you to put your seatbelt on. And he was like, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so I guess she left and came back and said, Mr. Ali, I need you to put your seatbelt on. And he was like, no, I'm not going to put my seatbelt on. He said, Superman doesn't need a seatbelt. <laughs> so she was like, hmm. Superman doesn't need a seatbelt because Superman doesn't need a plane. So some of you today have been riding without a seatbelt. Jesus is saying, you think you're Superman, you think you're Superwoman by doing all that you're doing, but it's not going to work. You need me. You need a savior. You don't have a plane. You don't have a way to provide salvation for yourself. You need me. Thank you so much for listening to this message. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multi-generational, multicultural community of believers passionately pursuing Jesus, family, freedom, and unity in the body of Christ. If you would like to connect with us, visit us at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.